So you make some decisions in your life when you're younger. And some of the decisions in your life that you make, you think are the right ones. Only to find out later, some of the decisions you make cause you to look over your back. Let's talk about it. You have reached the I'm Dealing With Broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. We're going to be talking about an interesting topic, dealing with mixed illusions. Let's get right into it. That bass is heavy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. All right, right back at you once again. I'm Sean, your host. Welcome to another edition of the I'm Dealing With Broadcast. Well, it's been a couple of days and uh, man, you could tell that the temperature is really picking up um, with a lot of things that are going on in the land. Um, I know out here in our area, it's uh, right back to 100 plus. So it's pretty interesting in that uh, how the temperature has been changing. I mean, you think you're going to be about 80 degrees one week, it's 90 the next drops back down to 70, 80s, and all of a sudden you're hitting triple triple digits. It's just crazy, right? Very crazy. Well, I hope everyone has had an interesting week, but guess what? It's Friday. I know people say TGIF, thank God it's Friday, but I say, I say this, the grind includes Friday. <laughs> That's my TGIF. The grind includes Friday. Okay, so we're going to be talking about an interesting topic that I coined mixed illusions. I coin it mixed illusions. And there's many reasons why I say this. And if you stick by, I guarantee you, you're going to understand why I call this mixed illusions. And uh, uh, this, just like before, takes me back a little bit, takes me back, you know, uh, to a time when I'm grown. But uh, I'm a young grown, you know, you know, that's during a time when you, you know, you you're in your your 19s, 20s, whatever the case may be, and you just think uh, the decisions that you make are going to be the right ones. And they're not always the right decisions. I mean, you think that they're great decisions, and in all honesty, they are great decisions, but there is something to the decisions that you make that cause you to think twice. And uh, like always, I began to look over my life and think about all the uh, missed opportunities, the missed learning processes due to some of the good decisions and bad decisions that I've made through time that um, I believe that will help people if they really take an internal perspective on their life and some decisions, because not every decision that we make are great. I mean, we're just going to tell the truth about it. Not all of them are great. We make some good ones. We make some great ones. But then sometimes we make some dumb, stupid decisions. We do. So I want to take you back to the year of uh, 1991. 1991. And it's an interesting era of that year because there was a shift for me in that area because in that era, that was right after, um, for those of you who have uh, were in that era or remember that area era, you know, maybe you were junior high or high schooler in that area. You'll know you will know exactly what that era means if you ever paid attention to the news or uh, maybe lived um, in areas that are going to be what I'm about to talk about. So in this particular area, era, excuse me, era of right around 19 uh, I believe it was 1986-ish to around 1990s, early 90s, but right around 1990-91. You know, 91 pretty much ended it to a point. It wasn't as prominent, but um, this was the era of all the drive-by shootings. And if you lived in um, a lot of those different areas, uh, areas, um, L.A. area, there's plenty of San Diego areas, you know, St. Louis, you know, a bunch of different places where this has happened. And uh, that era was crazy uh, for those of us who had to live through it, who had to walk to school and see people get gunned down. Um, There was a particular time when uh, 
my brother, uh, you've heard me talk about him. His name was Joel, uh, where he was getting off a bus uh, coming from school. He's walking home. And uh, many of you remember, you know, some of you guys still do it. You know, some don't, but some do, do it. The duffel bags at the time. Remember the duffel bags that you carried? And sometimes it had your favorite team on it. Uh, it was usually kind of like a roundish, long duffel bag with handles. It might have been black with red pinstripes. It might have been white with pink. might have been, you know, if you remember that. And he was carrying a uh, his duffel bag coming home. And uh, on the way home, there's plenty of people that had just gotten off the bus. There's people behind him, people in front of him, as well as behind. And a car came up and the car rolled down the window and uh, stuck his hand out. And in his hand was a pistol. And he pointed it in front of my brother at the group in front. They saw him. He they pointed it behind my brother at the group behind him. And, you know, they saw the guy and then he pointed at my brother. And I remember that so eloquently because it happened far too often. And in many areas, um, you had cars that would um, come through an area uh, and just start shooting just because uh, sometimes it was. Uh, gang initiation. Uh, you had plenty of that. And in some areas, uh, you still have that where um, they would come through your area and they would be from another territory and they would come through and uh, start firing uh, at different ones because their thing was um, not just, you know, I took down five people today. I took down three. Uh, I took that dude down, you know. And it was a uh, a reason for them per se to have some clout uh, when going back to their group, their gang affiliation. And it, it uh, hurt many of people uh, during that time. Um, you had a lot of it. And, uh, and it just so happens that the reason that um, they actually pulled out um, and uh, fired, they fired toward my brother was because he had a black and red bag. You know, if you were to look at the news, and maybe some of you know, you know, depending upon the type of shoelaces you wore, you know, the type of clothing or gear you wore, they assumed that you were one thing. You know, they assumed, you know, sometimes they were right, but most of the time they were wrong. And there was a lot of good people, a lot of lost lives during that era between uh, right around 86-ish to about 1990. Um, lost a lot of people. And uh, for me, right around uh, 91 was kind of ending that era of, you know, just people just doing dumb stuff and driving by a neighborhood and just shooting up people just because they had nothing else to do. So it wasn't as prominent, you know, for those of you that remember the movie Boys in the Hood, that was pretty much what happened in a lot of areas, even in my area. And we lived in a, a real good area. But even still, there was still, you know, that unseemingless, the un unseemingly uh, type of living in our particular area. And, you know, so you had some people that came from good families all of a sudden wanted to be drug dealers, you know, good families making good money and they decided to be gang members, you know, so you had that. And uh, truth be told, there are a lot of areas that are uh, very prominent, even in today's time, who, I mean, they're prominent uh, fixtures, parents are prominent fixtures, um, very uh, part of the community and this, that, and the other, make real good money, have great jobs, you know, but the kids are, are dope heads, dope fiends or whatever. So you have that even in today's time. But in this particular point, dealing with these drive-bys, it was the end of that very common area era where you heard about it day in, day out of stupid stuff where, you know, just people killing people because they had nothing better to do. And it was really stupid. So in 1991, for me, like I said, it was a, it was pretty much a, a shift because you were so busy ducking and worried about, you know, affiliation, worried about what you drove, worried about 
the color of your car, the type of clothes and, sh- and shoe strings and the type of shirt you had. And this came to where now you kind of had a little bit more freedom, a little bit more ways of having different resources to do the things that you really want to do without, for the most part, you know, we're being worried about t- being taken out. And uh, I had a car and you've heard me kind of talk about this car. And to my eyes then, to me, it was the bomb. <laughs> Not everybody's going to say that. Um, but I mean, to me then, again, then it was uh, the bomb to me. And I was very uh, much interested in this vehicle. And I mean, literally, I loved it. Okay, and I really liked liked, uh, this vehicle and uh, things of that sort. But one of the things that um, I wanted to do, I did a lot of customization. I did a lot of, uh, man, I had tinted the windows and, you know, different rims and different things of that sort. You've kind of heard me talk about it, you know, between wire rims and having different color wires every, you know, every other week type of deal. I spent a lot of money. Sound systems competed in sound off competitions and everything, you know. And you know, that's fun, especially when it's, you know, it's you and you have a buddy or maybe two, you know, that is also into that type of environment, you know, doing things to their cars or trucks, maybe vans or whatever. And uh, as per before, you know, I had my buddy, uh, my best friend, even till today, we, you know, we still laugh when we talk about it. And, you know, he had a van and uh, he had this Astro van. That's my boy, Kenan. He had this Astro van with 412s. It was just crazy off the chain. I mean, it was booming. You know, uh, they had a saying during that time. I mean, he really had that 808, really. I mean, that 808. It was so loud that you pretty much had to drive 100 feet behind him just to be able to hear your own music. <laughs> it was crazy. It was that loud. And I hated him. <laughs> I did because I set up a system, but I didn't do it like I would have done mine. And so, but the problem is he had this huge amplifier that was like 3,500 watts. And I mean, how do you, you know, make a 3,500 watt sound system, you know, you can only minimize it so much. So even with um, him utilizing that amp, the 412 plus all the other speakers he had in the car, there was no way I can turn his system down. So, I mean, I had it turned down and wired to a point to where he wouldn't get all that fullness of the 3,500 watts on purpose because I actually, I kept trying to tell him, you need to sell me that amp. You need to sell me that. He would never sell it to me. So even when we really got out of that whole audio game environment and I was thinking about building a system for something else, he had this puppy sitting in his closet. I mean, for years, almost 10 years plus, just sitting in the closet. And I said, you need to sell me that amp. And he wouldn't sell it to me. He would sell it to somebody else, but he wouldn't sell it to me. He said, yeah, because I know what you're going to do with it. (laughs) And true. I was going to run that puppy down to two ohms and (laughs) double the power. Yeah, I was. I I had. Yeah. But anyway. um, But yeah, so we were both into this thing. Uh, into cars, building our cars and, you know, having a good time, you know, rolling and meeting new people. And it was during this time that um, I went out. Uh, was I, I'm not sure if I was by myself, maybe with Keenan, maybe with a few others. And we went to a beach and, and, and hung out with some different ones and, you know, had a good time. And later on, uh, one of my one of our mutual buddies came by he had just gotten a new car and was doing some customization on it and and while he was at the house and we're hanging out up front you know like guys normally do you have the cars out front you're hanging out front you know you might even be standing out the street and telling people to pull over hey yeah why don't you come on hey let's just chat you know we did a lot of that um there was another guy that came by because he saw all of us outside and it used to be a point to where once you had you know two or three guys with their cars outside chatting it up and talking next thing you know you've got 15 people outside 15 cars all lined up around the street and everybody's just talking and chatting what are they doing how's work you know what the next thing is and everybody's looking at each other's car what are we doing next and that's what what that environment was about so anyway one of the guys begins talking saying hey there's a guy who's going to start this car club he wants to start a car club and i think he's already started i think he's already got five cars that are into this car club and we're going to meet up with him 
So I said, okay, well, yeah, well, when is it? You know, when, when are they talking about, you know, doing this get together? So we set up a time and we all decided that we were just going to go and meet up and, you know, check it out, see what it's all about. So myself and th- I think five, five cars went, you know, to go meet up with this, this group that was forming uh, the, in their infancy. And uh, out of the five cars uh, that, were in the, that were with us, three of us, we actually signed up and we joined in. Needless to say, the name of that car club became uh, the name Mixed Illusions. And the reason why I want to talk about that, because there's a point, a serious point that we need to understand, even in the name of that group. So there's plenty of times where we would go to car shows. I mean, we grew to where we were like, I mean, we weren't real, we're huge, but for less than a year, we went from eight or nine cars to about 53 strong, 53 strong cars in, you know, a few, you know, a few months. And one of our particular functions that we went to, went to a function to where uh, some of the cars were entered into the show um, because, you know, they're really customized, you know, gold and all the different accents and stuff like that. Some of the cars had hydraulics on them. You know, some of them had, you know, air suspension wasn't real, real popular yet, but some of them had air suspension. Um, you know, some had the the gold flake paint job, <laughs> you know, and uh, even though mine was cool, uh, mine, I didn't think mine was like a show car like what some of the rest of them were, but it looked good. It looked kind of classy, you know, wasn't overly done, but it was good. But to me, I just never thought it was show quality. But what I did focus on for me is I focus on the sound off competitions. And that's what I always entered into. But in this particular case, this particular day, I didn't enter into the sound competition strictly because during this time I had just sold uh, quite a bit of my audio equipment. So I've always been one to where if I wanted some of the newest and latest greatest, I would take um, the current stuff that I have and I would sell it to others and use a portion of those proceeds for the next, you know, uh, purchase. And that's what I did. So during this time I had, I think I had one cabinet uh, with maybe two tens or something like that. So inside the car, it sounded pretty decent, but it was not car audio award winning SPL competition type of system. Wasn't even close. So I didn't enter. But one of the guys actually wanted to borrow, you know, some of the speakers I had to add them to his system, you know, in order to go into the competition. So I did. Gave him a bunch of my stuff. But all of our cars were all parked in the show. Mine was just over in the audio side with a couple of other guys. But then some of them, their car was so nice inside out sound and everything to where they did the uh, the visual competition of their cars, but also participated in the SPL or, you know, the quality sound type of competition as well. So they did both. And whereas me, I just want to show no awards, no type of deal. I didn't enter in that. Okay. So all of us were there having a great time. We met a lot of people. And for those of you that know, you, you pretty much know what goes on then, 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 not now, then, you know, you didn't have the burnouts and people acting foolish then. I mean, it was just a lot of walking around. You had, you know, girls in their fits. You had the guys, you know, showing off their cars and, you know, you might have a hydraulic contest and sound off competition and a lot of stuff. And then, of course, you had the food and you had people out there doing the concerts and all that kind of stuff. So those are the things that we always participate in. And for the most part, there were there was never any problems ever in any of these type of competitions or any of these type of shows that we participated in. You didn't have the cops show up and shutting down stuff and closing down streets because people being stupid, because these were all sanctioned events that we're a part of. Or another group was throwing a uh, 
a car club, a meeting or a show, whether it was at the beach or whatever, and everyone showed up, you might have the music playing loud or something like that. But you never really had the drama. I mean, during this time earlier. Yeah, because now you had the whole gang infestation depending upon where that show or competition was going to be. You know, if it was in a wrong area, you had rival gangs with their cars and they'd show up. It was stupid. Okay, earlier on. But later, not so much so. But in this particular time, so we go to this competition. We're there and it's somewhere near the beach. And it was a sanctioned event. You know, there's quite a few other prominent car clubs, matter of fact, that are still around, you know, like, you know, car clubs like Majestics and some of the others. So you had a lot of these big clubs that were there at this event. Well, in this regard, the the show was about to come to a come to an end. And we're all gathering ourselves and trying to figure out, all right, so what are we going to do? And they were about to do the awards. And it just so happened that out of uh, 10 of our um, participants that came from our club that actually entered, three of them placed in their perspective categories. And we were just like so proud because it was the first time for all of us who have entered into anything as a club that um, some of our uh, club members actually won something. And I mean, it was, we, we were just so elated and happy. And again, we're young adults. We're young guys. You know, some people had girlfriends and some not. So at the club, I mean, at the clubs, <laughs> yeah. So at the, the car shows and stuff, you met a lot of people. You know, the girls met a lot of guys. Guys met a lot of girls and so on and so forth, right? So we're deciding what we're going to do. Um, myself, I came, I, I drove my car. I had a counterpart ride with me. Uh, from the club several others either came with somebody else drove their cars you know there's usually at least one person riding in a car there was only a couple of people that actually came by themselves i mean they were completely alone so we were deciding and saying guess what so what we're going to do we're going to go back to the clubhouse and basically the clubhouse was the guy who was kind of over the club we're actually going back to his apartment and we were just going to actually party there and just have a good time and just celebrate and just enjoy ourselves. So we all said, okay, cool. So, but what we're going to do, we're going to go to our respective homes or whatever, go freshen up, change clothes, whatever. And we'll meet at the clubhouse right around, you know, uh, seven o'clock or so thereabouts. So sure enough, we, we leave our area, um, to leave the club, um, the show, we head off to do whatever we're going to do separately and apart. I go to my spot, I change clothes, clean up the car even more so. Because, you know, truth be said, you know, you don't know who else is going to be there. <laughs> you know, you don't know who else, you know, people invite. So you want to make sure, you know, you're G'd up as, you know, Leo, you know, the group from back in the day used to be called Ready for the World. You want to make sure you're ready for the world, right? So that's what that's what we're doing. So many of us, we're, you know, trying to put our Ready for the World fit on, right? <laughs> and that's what we're doing. So. Uh, we are uh, getting ourselves together, uh, and I finally, you know, after leaving home, I head over uh, to the clubhouse. So I get to the clubhouse, and I think there's like 15 people already there, and we're still waiting for, you know, quite a few others. Some people said they couldn't make it because of other plans, what have you. But um, the one thing we were waiting for was one of our buddies. As his car not only won a portion of the sound off competition, he had also gotten a plaque for best in show in his particular category because he didn't really do too much to his car, but it was clean. It was uh, custom to a point, but it wasn't overly done. And that's what he got, you know, an award and a plaque for because it was not overly done. It wasn't like you, you said, dude, what was he thinking? And why would you do that? So it wasn't that type of look. It was real, real clean. So we were all waiting because, you know, there was other guys at place too, but he had gotten two awards and we're really waiting for him to show up. So we waited and we waited and we waited and around eight thirty, nine o'clock. We're, um, you know, and I think somebody had, you know, we all had pagers. In. <laughs> we did. We had pagers and they're paging him. No response, no response no response. I mean, it just goes on for hours. 
we stayed there probably till about 11 o'clock. And none of us had gotten any type of response from this gentleman. And even one of the guys who was real close to him because he was kind of like a best friend to him, never got a response back. So we were like, so that's weird. Uh, you know, he must have met somebody, you know, and everybody was talking, oh, yeah, well, he met this one chick, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, that we saw them kind of talk and exchange numbers. And so we're like, oh, yeah, you probably, you know, had a hookup or whatever. You know, y'all know how it, it was, you, you know, think about your old life and whatever you did. You know, some of y'all just whatever. And we just we wrote it off as, hey, you know, uh, he, he met somebody and he's busy and he don't even bother, you know. And that was that. So and that was on a Saturday. So on Sunday, um, we met again at the clubhouse because we already stated on Saturday evening that we're going to have a meeting uh, to discuss the future plans of the club and what, where we want to go, what do we want to do next, and input and blah blah. So Sunday we meet uh, back at the at the clubhouse around one o'clock thereabouts, and when I get there, um, everyone's standing outside for the most part. We're trying to figure out why, how come nobody's inside. So we just figured that maybe uh, somebody's showing off their something about their car or whatever. And what ends up happening when we get there, we find that uh, the gentleman, I can't even remember his name, but the gentleman that was supposed to show up last night, um, even I knew it, but he's in the military. He was in the military and um, very uh, prominent in the military. Um, he held a nice ranking position in the military. Uh, he was in the Navy. Um, he was an instructor and a teacher in the military. Needless to say, on Sunday morning, he had class that he was supposed to teach and students waiting, his uh, superiors waiting, and he never arrived. He never showed up. There was no call in. There was nothing, no voicemail, no nothing. And they had been trying to reach out to him. So uh, I find this out upon arrival at the clubhouse. And um, we see some different gentlemen outside, you know, they're kind of clean cut and what have you. And come to find out they were actually from the military. They had sent MPs out looking for him, trying to find out why he didn't report. And um, but they knew that he was a part of a car club and what have you and knew some of the associates that he associated with. So they showed up to where we were. And they began asking us questions, you know, what did he do yesterday? What happened? Where was he? You know, this and that. So I'm not going to say it was interrogation because it really wasn't. They just want to find out about his whereabouts. And we were concerned, too. We we're like, oh, wait a minute, because one thing that we knew, we knew he took his job seriously. I mean, I mean, as long as I knew him during that time, because I really met him when I joined the uh, the car club. I knew for a fact, based on what everyone else had experienced with him. He was dedicated and anything he was going to be part of. He was one of those guys that he either he was going to be all in or nothing. And when it came down to the military, that was one of the things that he put first before everything, before relationships, before cars, before this, that and the other, because his goal was to be career minded in military and eventually retire. So he was not the guy who's just going to say, eh, I'm just not going to show up today and go AWOL. Not that dude, right? So, yeah. So we had a lot of mixed ideas about what was going on. And um, it was it was crazy. It was really, really crazy. So that was Sunday. And our meeting went on after they left. We had our discussion about our missing uh, counterpart. And then from there... Um, you know, we all kind of dispersed because it was kind of like, you know, wow, this is not cool. It, it's, it's real when it's one thing for somebody to say, you know, I just don't want to be around or, Hey, I just don't want to be around you guys, whatever. But when somebody, you know, from military comes out looking for you, um, to try to figure out what's going on because they haven't seen you in the, cause that's not your MO. Something's up. 
So for a lot of us, um, it became a serious inventory check, a very serious inventory check. And again, this happened on Sunday. So on Monday, um, you know, those of us, you know, I went to work, did my thing and uh, decided right after work that I drive right back over to the clubhouse and see if we can get any updates. And it just so happened I wasn't the only one that was thinking like that because everybody was there. Um, I, I got there and probably maybe seven, eight more people showed up afterward, you know, with their cars and stuff to discuss whatever has happened. And um, while we're there, um, a police officer shows up because now the police have, the local police have gotten involved too to try to find out what's going on. So it began, it was real crazy. It was real crazy. Now, mind you, uh, remember how I entitled it, you know, Mixed Illusions. Um, and also that was the name of our car club, Mixed Illusions. And this was a time in my life, if you think about it, you know, we have a lot of mixed ideas, a lot of mixed um, decisions that we make that we think are some of the greatest ideas that are some of maybe the greatest solutions, maybe the greatest things that we've ever done. Um, not that they've been either good or bad, but they're in one of those two categories. And you get hit with this illusion that the decision you make is all about that decision. The people that you meet is all about those people. The cars or the types of cars that you drive, it's all about that thing. It's all about the house that I just bought or the type of house that I have. It's all about the type of money that I make. It's all about the relationship or marriage that I have or the kids or grandkids that I, it's all about that. And we get all mixed and we have these mixed delusions and fantasies about the decisions that we make. And we think they're the greatest things since sliced bread. I was very um, questionable um, in my mind about what happened to my counterpart, what happened to my friend. And if we were really to tell the truth, if you were to think back over your life and think about some of the friends that you've had, and maybe if one of those happened to just disappear or fall off the map, you begin to wonder, you know, um, police come out asking, hey, have you seen military come out asking, hey, have you seen your job comes out? You know, the job for that person comes out asking, have you seen private investigator comes out asking, have you seen you start to wonder and you start to begin to ponder a few things. Sometimes you ponder your decisions. Sometimes you ponder uh, the circle of friends. You ponder your acquaintances. You ponder the people that you call friends. You ponder the decisions um, that you've made, both good and bad. And I went through that serious pondering moment. And it was only until later on that week, I believe it was uh, that Thursday or Friday, that uh, we all received a 911 page. It was a 911 page. Okay. And then at the end of the 911, it had a code on it. And we all knew what that code meant. It meant pretty much, please come to the club. Come to the club. And um, I had gotten that page. I was still at work. I hadn't gotten off yet. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Okay. So um, I leave work and I drive in uh, into the North Park area and I'm dealing with the simple fact that why are, why are we getting this 911 with this code? What's going on? What's happened? And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking something's going on. Did something catch fire? Did something blow up? Did, you know, I've got all these different things going on, but, you know, for us to get that message um, really makes you think. And the truth be told, if all of us were to get a 911 on our cell phone with somebody's number or a page, whatever that is, you know, that emergency, you begin to think, ponder, and you have all these different things going through your head while you're on your way. And sure enough, yeah, I was on my way and I was rolling too. So, I get there and um, everyone's 
crying. And I'm like, what the heck? What's going on? So after uh, the meeting, the car club, uh, the car show that we were at, that we all had a good time with, we partied, we celebrated, we had a, just a good time there. We, you know, showed off, met new people, new guys, new girls, you know, and just having a good time. Well, my friend had met somebody, as I stated earlier, he met somebody. And um, it just so happened that he decided that he was going to meet up with them before coming to the club, the car uh, club place that night. So he decided to meet them first and then come. But what happened was he had gotten to the lady's home that he had met and he get there. He got there and, he, and she opened up the door and let him in, then asked him, hey, do you mind just, you know, chilling out and I'm going to go, you know, change my clothes and, you know, and get a little bit more comfortable, whatever she had said to him. So he sat down on the couch and just kind of waited inside her apartment. And as she went into her room and closed the door, uh, quite a few people came out of another door. And I believe one was a closet or a couple closets or whatever the case may be, hall closet, whatever it was. And they actually ambushed him. They literally ambushed him completely. So the interesting thing was when the investigation and the MP, uh, uh, the MPs from um, the Navy uh, did their uh, investigation with the, I believe it was the sheriff's or the police department, whoever else it was, they noticed that there was some foul play. They um, found his car right uh, I think it was a block away from the apartment that he had visited of the young woman. Found his car a block, a block away. It was in the alley. So we automatically go, oh, man, he, you know, he he got jacked. You know, he got carjacked. He uh, was robbed. He was, you know, that, that's what we were thinking. But come to find out as we were getting the report, as they were relaying to us what had happened based upon their investigation. Come to find out when they looked at the car, the only thing they noticed in the car that was weird was there was blood in the back seat. But in his car there, he had left his, um, there was a firearm under the seat. You know, he was actually a licensed uh, concealed carry. It was under the seat. They never took it. His stereo system um, that was in the car that he had just won award for was still in the car. Nothing was ever touched. The outward appearance and inward appearance of the car was untouched as well. The only thing that was different that they knew that there was some foul play involved was the simple fact that there was blood in the back seat. So we were like going, oh man. So we, then we threw out, well, did he get somebody mad or what happened? So he, he wasn't found. He was nowhere near the car. So then the next thing was, well, where is he at? Because it was weird for them to find the car not too far from the apartment of the young lady. So as they uh, decide to interrogate her and take her into custody, they find and they get a call from um, a dump site and the police go out and roughly 20 some miles away, his body was found in a dump site. And what they did was when they bum rushed him, they beat him to a pulp. And um, they left him for dead out in this dump site. And that's where they found his body. And for many of us, when we got that news, we were trying to figure out, well, why? We were never told why. I know the young woman was um, arrested and she was charged because now it's murder because she was involved. And then she started letting on to some of the other names that are also involved in my friend's murder. And you think to yourself, you go, my God, but we didn't know about the charges and stuff, all that stuff until later on. But then as a group, as an individual, you decide to yourself, so what are we going to do? And um, we're just like on a man, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And it was decided amongst all of us moving forward that no matter what, none of us 
we're going to go anywhere, number one, alone. That was number one. So if we were going to a function, if you're going to go meet somebody, you took somebody with you. That was number one. And the next thing was we all had um, between eight to 16 friends with us. I'm going to leave that right there. You'll understand what I'm saying. We had eight to 16 friends. Not that I'm a, I advocate. Needless to say, um, I was part of that who carried as well. My friends. <laughs> um, and that's what that was. So later on, it got to the point where the morale was just completely different. Uh, mindsets have changed. Uh, for some, you know, carrying in their mind made them something that they weren't. And um, a lot of people just became stupid. So for me, I decided that maybe uh, this is not a good fit for me. So I left the club. And uh, one of the other reasons why I got involved in an accident and jacked up my car. And my car was just like, mm -mm, it was just bad. And by the time I actually got it fixed and back on the road, it was over about a month or so. And even still, once it, once I was able to drive it again, it just became more of a commuter. It was no longer, you know, a real nice looking, you know. So by the time I got it nice again, it's about another six months or so after that. But in between that time, I decided that I'm good. You know, I don't need to be in a club and what have you. I don't mind hanging out with friends and doing these different things, but I'm good. And that's how I left it. Okay. So one day, it was just after I began, I had just finished really working on my car. I had just got it repainted, got body work done, interior upgrades, redid the interior, redid the sound system. And by this time, I can honestly say, he was killing it. Okay. All right. All right. So um, I'm uh, in front of uh, the house where I lived and I was outside and one of my buddies, uh, Rico, showed up and we just began talking and having a good time. His wife was in the car. So we were parked like I was facing uh, downward toward the street and he was kind of facing up. So, you know, kind of head to tail type of thing. But we're across from each other. So we're just having a conversation. And then my buddy, Will, uh, you've heard me talk about him. My other, he was one of my other best friends, Will. Uh, he showed up in his car. And we were all just kind of chatting and just having a good old time. And while we're talking, uh, this car uh, comes down the street. You know, no big deal, right? Because all the cars had to go through, you know, because we were parked. You know, I was up against the curb one way. My buddy was up against the curb the other way. And that guy car comes down the street. And then he just stops like right between us, you know, and I'm like, um, in my mind, I hadn't said nothing yet. I'm like, what's up with this? Right. And he's like, yo, what's up? We're like, hey, yo, what's up, man? And we're thinking that he wanted something like he was going to ask a question or something like that. He's like, he's like, yeah, this is so and so. And he starts like doing this, this gang affiliation stuff. Right. You know, and start calling off his set like this is so and so. And I'm like, yeah, uh, but bro, you're not in so and so, man. Hey, I need we need you to just cut, just go, just keep on going, keep it pushing, man. We, we can continue our conversation, right? He's like, what? I'm like, bro, just leave, you know, just cut, you know, so we can continue talking. You see me talk to my boy, right? You know, he's like, he's like, I don't care, I don't give a, you know, he's using all those nice, colorful words. So and yeah, so he. he he peels off and bends the corner. You know, we could see him leaving. And we, me and my boys just kind of looked at each other like, what's up with that, right? Like, what the heck? So we're like, okay. So I'm, I'm leaned up against my car. And I'm just kind of chilling. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, I notice that this guy, he decides to stop at the end of the block. I would say maybe two, 200 or so feet from where we were, uh, kind of not necessarily the end. It was kind of the middle of the block. And he just stops his car and he opens up and gets out the, the driver's side door. Not mind you, he was by himself. Okay, cool. And he opens up his door and he goes, do you know who this is? This is so-and-so on mine. I represent blah, blah, blah. And he's got his rag. He's going up these gang signs. This is so-and-so. 
And we look, we're like going, dude, just cut, just leave. This is not that area. <laughs> Goodbye. So I go back to talking and he's like, he's like, what'd you say? Do you know what I'll do to you right now? So then what he decides, he decides to push his seat forward. Now, mind you, the car he was driving was an old school Cadillac Coupe de Ville. If you don't know what a Coupe de Ville is, this particular one was the long one with two doors, meaning when he had that door open and he pushed his seat forward, like reclined it forward, he was now reaching. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was reaching and um, I wasn't feeling it. I'm telling you right now, guys, for, for, for those of you guys that are listening, you know, maybe girls, I wasn't feeling it at all. And I don't know what he was reaching for, but based upon his tone of voice, his nice, colorful and eloquent language that he was using and his body language told me that he was not about to give me a candy cane. And he wasn't going to give me a Christmas gift. OK, so it just so happens that when he was doing that, I was leaned up against my car, having a conversation with my buddy who was across the street in his car. And uh, my window was down by the time he was reaching, still talking trash, reaching into his um, car Um by the time he went to look up, um, I had 16 of my friends looking at him and I told him, I said, you need to leave. He's like, what? I said, you need to leave now, because if you don't, there's going to be a problem. And no matter how fast you are, I've got 16 friends that are faster than you. And behind that, another 16 friends. I said, you need to go. He said, it's like that. I said, it's like that. So while I'm having that conversation with him, I looked over at my boy Rico. And I said, you need to go. He's like, what? I said, you need to go. I said, you and your wife get out here. So he hopped in his car. He cut. My boy Will looked over at me. He saw the look on my face. And he says, Sean, I said, get out here. He hopped in his car. He cut. So I'm standing there roughly 200 to 300 feet away from this dude. And in my mind, I'm just going to be honest with you, in my mind, I knew what I might need to do, but it's not what I wanted to do. And I was hoping that regardless of the fact that he would make the right decision. So uh, so now my two best buddies are gone and it's me and my 16 friends. And this guy kind of in this lean reach position. And what I didn't want to do is get caught um, by not paying attention, by not realizing uh, the situation that I was in and realizing the situation he was about to put me in. So he said, is it like that? I said, yeah, it's like that. He goes, all right. All right, then. OK, if it's like that, it's like that. I said, it is just cut, dude. So he just stood there for a minute. And, um, you know, me and 16 friends are looking straight at him. And uh, he realizes that, you know, might have been a God's God situation or you know, whatever that is. But he decided, yeah, I guess I'll get out of here. He left. So he left and I stayed exactly where I was. And um, I didn't put up my friends until I knew that I didn't see him do a U-turn, come around a different corner or whatever the case may be. But then on top of that, what I did was because I was in the street, um, you would have known that, hey, this is, you know, this is my house. This is where I live. So I made it a point to leave. I left my area and I think I stayed away for about two, three hours. But in the decision that I made, that I made, excuse me, that I made, um, I would be lying to you if I told you I wasn't scared. I'd be lying to you if I said I was not fearing for my life. I'd be lying to you if I wondered how my decision of saying what I said, doing what I did, um, how it would affect my family. You know, I thought to myself, what if after this, maybe a day later, 
he comes back in the area and sees my car in the driveway, sees my car parked in front of the house every day, or sees me if when I'm washing the car in front of the house, what if, so I had all these things because I was mixed and had an illusion that um, making a certain decision would solve everything. And um, to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, till this day, I know the color of that car. I know the rim color, the type of tires he had, the interior color of that car, and the rag that was hanging from the rear mirror. And for roughly a year and a half, almost two years, any time I was going anywhere near the neighborhood, around the neighborhood, three uh, miles, five miles, 15 miles away from there, anytime I was driving because of, well, because of my car, anytime I was driving, I was always looking over my shoulder, checking the rear mirror, checking cars in front of me, behind me, around me, because I didn't want to get caught because of a decision I made because I was mixed up and I was had this illusion that sometimes the things that we do, the things that we say are going to protect us, the things that we do, the things that we're going to say are going to take care of us, they're going to handle us, handle our financial situation, handle our marriage, handle relationships. And many times we have this crazy mixed illusion and think to ourselves that if we um, do this thing, everything's just going to work out. And not all the time does it always work out. And what I don't want you to be is ever be delusional or mixed in the decisions that you make. Many things can happen. Life is not promised to us, but it's very important that no matter what we do, that we don't have a mixed illusion in the decisions that we make. Make the right decisions and the right things will happen. I'm Sean, your host. Stay tuned for another edition of I'm Dealing With. And as always, be blessed.